The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletical Physical Therapy and CDW. OTAs in the books coming up next week. A veteran mandatory minicamp as we inch closer to training camp 2021 with potential for a normalcy that we have not seen in quite some time. Good to have you with us, everybody. We're breaking down the Bears as they march towards training camp. Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy with my broadcast partner from WBBM Radio, the Chicago Bear guard of note, Mr. Tom Thayer. How you doing, my friend? Jim Miller will be coming along in about 10 minutes or so, and at the bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by another rookie as we go through that rookie class. Larry Borum, a good-looking tackle right now for the Bears. He'll join us at 6.30. But for the matters of the moment, Tom Thayer, quick review of what's going on so far in these OTAs. You got a chance with the media on the eyes on uh, Wednesday on field, and uh, a lot of attention, obviously, on Justin Fields, and that'll be the case. We, we're going to bring about this every single time we do this show, the analysis, but had some good throws. Uh, it wasn't the greatest little session for Matt Nagy. Called it a little sloppy. Well, you know, I, I would have been interested in Jeff Joniak 30 years ago in the offseason. When Jeff, from the day that the last seat, the last game ended, you had no observances of the team until the mandatory minicamp. And then, you know, we would there would be a lot of uncertainty just because the guys wouldn't be around each other. So now when I look at OTAs, there's a lot of value in OTAs to the guys that need it mentally, not necessarily the guys that need it physically because it's hard to perfect the physical skills of football when you have no pads on. But you can perfect the mental skills of football going through OTAs and classroom events. So I think that's where the that's the most beneficial aspect of OTAs. And you see that growth process. You see the timing. You see a guy like Andy Dalton being inserted as the number one quarterback right now. And the challenges he puts on the developing receivers and the running backs and the offense as a whole. You see what Juan Castillo goes through developing an offensive line where there's a lot of maneuverable parts there to make sure everybody has an understanding where they're most likely be when training camp begins. So you have to understand what the value is out of OTAs because I do think there's guys that are going to benefit from it and be farther ahead once they get into training camp. Well, once upon a time, we get to see all the OTAs. So the media was available to see all the practices. So you get to know the players a little bit better and a lot of sidebar stories. Keep the uh, the NFL in the forefront a little bit, even though the thick of the baseball season and uh, there was always a lot of attention. And there still is. You know, there's just, uh, just those one a week and the OTAs are shrinking some teams. Stop the OTAs. Uh, some teams already started their mandatory minicamp, so we'll get into that next week. Excited about that to see uh, the entire group of Bears uh, and wonder, you know, who will be there, like Allen Robinson. Uh, that That is an interesting uh, situation right there, whether or not uh, I, I presume he'll be there, but that'll be an interesting aspect as, as well to get in touch with his quarterback, Andy Dalton, and to get to know Justin Fields a little bit. A uh, couple of other observations uh, just on being there firsthand, Tommy, uh, I, I like the on-field demeanor right now of Cole Komet. 
Okay, I think it's re- he's got a little edge to him, and I, I like you want that in your tight end, and he is very blunt in what he wants to be. He wants to be that play-action tight end that's going to move the chains and be a big play receiver in the passing game, and he wants to be a trusted blocker in the run game. And, you know, for a tight end position, it's as simple as that. Those are the two, two requirements right there. Um, I, I know – He's had a bunch of opportunity, but just from my eyes, Javon Wims, I'm just looking at all the he, – he looks bigger and stronger and thicker. If you didn't know who he was and you take a look at a receiver like that body type-wise, you're thinking, oh, who is this guy? And, you know, just an observation on body changes and so forth like that. And then we're going to get into it, but the feet of Larry Borum. I mean, this guy can – he's got really good feet. And those well, are my quick observations about body types. Okay, three things. You know, Cole Komet never had any OTAs last year, and you could see it during the second half of the season. He had more tight end reps than Jimmy Graham. And so when you think about this guy going through and having the OTA reps, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to benefit it. From the relationship he'll develop with the quarterback, the trust the quarterback will develop in Cole Komet, and then the weapon ultimately we need to see him begin from week one. Javon Wims, he's got to earn my trust back. What he did last year is still, I have a hard time forgiving that because it filtered all the way to Anthony Miller in that in that New Orleans game. Listen, man, we've sat here and bragged now for years about Javon Wims and what he does in OTA and the types of catches he makes in training camp. He has the chance to be a big-time receiver in the NFL and, and show his skills. And then you mentioned Larry Borum. Again, if you didn't have any numbers on anybody's back and you didn't know where anybody was drafted, you would see this guy as a top-tier offensive lineman. He's very fluid on his feet. He's a big body. He uses his length well. He has a good mental understanding of the information that offensive line, Juan, offensive line coach Juan Castillo has been feeding him already, and I think he's going to be a battler. He's going to be a guy out there that – he can have that self-discipline to be in the physical condition he needs to be at at this level to play hard every single down and distance, every single play where he could come in and he could be an immediate competitor. And also watching Damian Williams uh, and his eagerness to get back, and we'll hear from him uh, from some of the interviews uh, this week. But, you know, looking back at his career, we forget that he played for the Miami Dolphins. He was a Miami Dolphin, and in those years, uh, his his most attempts, 181 on the ground, but he never got to that 4.0 average in those four years with the Miami Dolphins, all under four. But with the Chiefs and a system that clearly had a lot of other weapons to it, boom, he, he had some big years in terms of yards per carry, 5.1 and 4.5, uh, and then was so good in the Super Bowl in the postseason. So I'm excited him as a, a big 226-pound uh, change of pace uh, with uh, David Montgomery and – Tariq Cohen and whatever else they're going to have on the table at the running back position if the rookie Khalil Herbert can can make it too uh, and, and get on the at field on game day. Legit. The dude is legit. He's an NFL running back. There's no doubt about it. And he has all the skills that you need in these modern-day running backs of seeing the hole, having the vision, being that RPO type. you got to have the ability to catch the ball. But, again, the bell cow man, David Montgomery, he's the leader of that group right now, and he sets a great example of inspired work ethic to the guys down the line. 
Every time these guys get the ball, they finish in the end zone. All these backs, so that's good good practice. They hope to have a fantastic year in 2021, lighting up the scoreboard, getting that offense moving in the right direction. We'll touch the, the mind of Jim Miller. Coming up next, former Chicago Bears quarterback joins us. Also, Larry Borum at the bottom of the hour with Adam Stadzinski, our producer tonight. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. With top there, Jeff Joniak welcoming in our special guest each week from Sirius XM NFL Radio's Moving the Chains with Pat Kerwin, Mr. Jim Miller, former Chicago Bears quarterback. You can't forget the 2001 season. I certainly won't. He predicted it. He predicted 13-3 and before it even began, right around this time of year. And what happened? They went 13-3 and and went to the playoffs before the Eagles and what, Hugh Douglas and company knocked you out. Jim, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for reminding me again, Jeff. <laughs> right. I'm yeah, sure. doing well. Every week reminder. I know. <laughs> yeah. Who, who, who could forget? Sorry, hey, Jim, yeah. you know, it's what's interesting, and you're, you're, you're listening and watching and reading from afar as you do your work for, for SiriusXM, but uh, it's inevitable, right? It's, it's kind of the tug of war with the, with the, when the media is present and they get a chance to, to see – the quarterback play, and certainly everybody wants to know about Justin Fields. They feel they already know enough about Andy Dalton, being that he's a veteran quarterback and has been a player of the Bengals and Cowboys, so you kind of know what you're getting, so to speak. But it's that tug of war because coaches want to make sure that you know that they take it to their plan. Justin Fields going to learn on the fly here, and Andy Dalton's the number one. But the questions are always about Justin Fields, Justin Fields to the players, and then he has some wild moments. And and but they always bring it back to the quarterbacks. And like Andy and like Nick, it's a very particularly uh, it's it's not unsurprising, but it, you think that's challenging because yeah. the coaches answer questions to give messages to the locker room. They're not necessarily giving messages to the fans or the media. Yeah, you know, I I always find it kind of comical at this time of the year, and even during training camp where, you know, I know Jordan Love's going through it up there. I, I saw a couple of the articles about, uh, you know, Justin Fields and his big arm and that he that he let it go, or you know, and they, they're saying, oh, he threw an interception today. Who was, who was the other quarterback? Oh, it was uh, Drew Locke threw like three picks the other day for the Denver Broncos. Like, oh, he had a horrible day, and, you know, they don't know the read. They don't know what they're trying to practice, what they're installing, and all, all, all those type of things, but yet they're trying to give like a grade of how the quarterback did that day when nothing is on the line right now. They're not in pads at all. They're just out there. They're installing uh, the offense uh, right, right now is, is what I would say. So, yeah, you're going to see the athleticism and the flashes and all the things that, that Justin can present. But it's you know it's a learning curve right now and for all these young quarterbacks that are kind of under the microscope. But I, I wouldn't go by an article of a quarterback he finished 50% in in say a, a practice during an during an OTA, so that that's really not uh, uh, the critical evaluation you're looking for. They'll keep it internal and they'll work on their mistakes, but it, it's really a learning experience right now. And you're just in, introducing this stuff to them. But I th- I think all those quarterbacks that I just mentioned have the physical ability uh, to do it, and they can make the wow throws. It's just a matter of how quickly they can learn and get it all down so that they're ready to play when they're ready to play and to step on the field. One thing that changes the narrative of the conversation going forward is now there's a dollar figure attached to the player. So now when you start talking about the dollar figure attached to the player, these guys 
feel that there's more freedom that either compliment or criticize accordingly so. And I still think that's, you know, that's not in all fairness because the growth process that he's going to go through in the next couple years is, is going to be immeasurable. However, that is the, that becomes a focus and that comes into play when these guys do finally sign their rookie deals. And reportedly that has been the case uh, for Justin Fields, uh, according to NFL media. Uh, yesterday, Matt Nagy on how the growth is going. Um, those guys build their own relationship when they're in there watching tape. And, and, and again, like, I think the biggest thing that Justin can learn from uh, Andy is just understanding that the defenses that he's seen, not just out of practice on the field, but also when they're watching tape together, he can explain something um, in, in a way that a player really thinks about it. And so he's going to help him grow. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's pretty neat. The other day, you know, Flip was getting on Justin um, with his footwork and, and uh, just normal coaching stuff. And we were in the room and going through it and just talking about how he can be better with his feet on a particular play. And it was a good throw. He made a real good throw, but Flip didn't say anything about a good throw. Now, Flip always tells him when he sees a good throw usually, but on this one he didn't. And Andy made sure as a player, he said, hey, dude, that that was a hell of a throw right there. And so I think that's an experience of just just one piece that you all can see if you're in the room that you understand like these guys supporting each other. He's, he's commending him when he does something right. He's protecting him, and it's pretty neat to see. And so for Justin, he's just got to see, like, like when Andy, Andy's cadence, you know, what he's doing with his voice inflection, is the way he says white 80 versus the way Justin says it at the, at the line of scrimmage, like little things. And, and then, of course, um, how to handle teammates. Teammates all react in different ways. How do, how do you grab a guy? And so there's a lot of intangibles that a quarterback has that Justin's going to be Justin, no doubt about it, and Andy's going to be Andy, but they're going to learn from each other. And I think right now, um, just little things that I'm seeing in the meeting room and out here at practice, it really does remind me of prior experiences that I've I've uh, been a part of. Hey, Jim, does it remind you of prior experiences that you had, and how important was that a minute and 48 explanation of what the dynamic is at the moment between the two? Yeah, uh, well, I think, yeah, of course it, it matters. You know, fortunately for me, think about Andy Dalton. When he arrived in Cincinnati, he didn't have a veteran, right? Carson Palmer was holding out, right? So he didn't have that opportunity. And a lot of, the, from from that standpoint, it comes from the coaches because you don't have another veteran there uh, to bring you along uh, from, from that standpoint. Um, now, would, for me, I had two veteran guys. One you guys know well is Mike Tomczak was there, who was very generous in providing information and that I could – and Mike had a terrific hard count. You know, you could uh, learn how to really get the voice inflection that coaches talk about there. And, and Neil Donald was a veteran who had, who had played significantly at that point as well. So it was easy for me because I had guys there to watch, to emulate, to say, hey, this is how it's done. This is how the Steelers want it done. And that's what uh, Andy Dalton and, and guys like Nick Foles are going to provide Justin Fields. Granted, he's still going to be his own player because he's got – a different part of his game that those other two guys uh, don't have. But in terms of command in the huddle, uh, in terms of controlling the line of scrimmage, in terms of make being decisive and making decisions, in terms of being tactful and how you talk to your teammates, hey, man, that was that – was, uh, you know, cover two man. I'm expecting you to come out of your break just a little bit flatter on that if I'm going to hit that uh, deep in cut. You know, 
how he he you communicate to your teammates. I think Justin's going to get a, a good experience of what is done at the professional level because normally what happens in college, the coaches control everything. They pretty much control everything, and this is still a, 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 only a two-year starter at the college level. It'll be normally in college. It'll be the coach that makes all those coaching points, but in the pros. You kind of, as a veteran, as a, as a quarterback, you're going to take ownership of it. You're going to, because you've you played quite a bit and you know how it needs to be run at a, at a certain level at the at the at the NFL level, and what's going to work and, and what isn't, and how you communicate to your teammates is, is always so important. So it's good to have those relationships, but just all those small things, whether it's voice inflection or command in the huddle and control at the line of scrimmage, all the things I talked about, those are where really Andy Dalton and, to me, Nick Foles are really going to rub off that, that Justin Fields to say, yeah, I like that. I'm going to add that to my game. I see how they're approaching it, and I'm going to try and emulate them, but I'll do it in my own way. You know what I like that Matt brings up, that Coach Filippo makes the corrections to Justin Fields in front of everybody because that's the way – that's part of the growth process. That's part of the camaraderie that develops. That's what Dick Stanfeld. We used to, I sat in that room with Hall of Famers and all pros, and Dick Stanfeld said, look, man, I'm rarely going to compliment you on doing something good, but I'm going to correct you in front of everybody for doing something wrong. And I think that's across the board on a football team is you have to be not criticized, but you have to be corrected, and you got to be able to – absorb it in front of the rest of your peers because they're just trying to get the most perfect player out of you they can and coach definitely say what you you want to sit here and me tell you oh good job good job pat you on the back every time you do something that's just not the way it's going to be so you know those are some of the learning processes at the nfl level that justin's going to learn jim i think tom learned that very well because he rarely rarely reaches out and says nice job to his partner here in the broadcast booth, you know, so I, I that's downloaded to you. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming up, Jim Miller, more conversation, breaking down the Bears off-season program, gearing up for training camp. This is Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by rookie tackle Larry Borum from Missouri, now a Chicago Bear wearing number 75. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Everybody, the Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lauren Screeden cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago, or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. Along with Jim Miller, our guest from SiriusXM NFL Radio, Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak with Adam Stadzinski, our producer talking Bears ball. It's what we love to do, and I, I love watching Sam Mustafer grow every day before our eyes he, you know, a, a great story being penned here. You know, he starts as a practice squad guy, is undrafted out of Notre Dame, works his way into the starting lineup, and quickly, quickly becomes a leader and still very committed to working on every aspect of his game, mental and physical. For me, it's not really a difference. I've always had the mindset that, you know, I was going to go into an offseason preparing to play football, uh, whether that be on practice squad, whether that be on the active roster, whether it be as a starting center. Uh, each offseason, you know, I prepare with that same exact mindset that I got to be ready to play. Um, and last year, it, you know, the fruits of my labor were shown. Um, and so I, I really feel like this offseason more was critical for me to have that film, live film against other NFL defenses to understand the things that I need to work on and improve on. And, uh, you know, we, we still got some time left to improve on those things. It, last year, 
you know, I trained with Olin um, this year, uh, did the same. Um, you know, I have a lot of people that I trust and there's a great group of guys that I'm able to train with week in and week out. And then, you know, just being able to be back in the facility with Loco and the guys, um, that, that was critical for me. And, you know, I like to eat and there's a lot of good food in Chicago. So that was definitely critical for putting on that muscle. Well, I'd like to keep it on too. Tom, uh, right now he's the penciled in starter at Central. Still got to earn that job. He knows that. But in terms of how he presents himself, the leadership and the impact, how critical is his performance to this new selection of quarterbacks? Oh, I, it's, it, I mean, it, the security in the middle of the offensive line, the consistency of the snap, the reliability that the flight of the ball, whether it's shotgun or uh, the center directly, be uh, the quarterback directly behind him, that every time that's going to be perfect because you need to take that element completely out of the mind of the quarterback. But when I listen to Sam Mustafer talk, I guarantee you, he came in here thinking that I'm going to work my, I'm going to give all the effort I can, and eventually I'm going to work my way in to be a starter at this level. And you hear, you listen to Sam's approach, you listen, you watch the results of last year, and he's got to come in here thinking that I'm the guy at this position. This my, this is my position for now and for time to come. So I'm excited to see what he means to the interior of that offensive line, and uh, what he means and how beneficial he can be to the quarterback position. Jim, uh, in terms of his background, obviously at Notre Dame, certainly he was on an excellent offensive line. So even though he was undrafted, whatever limitations scouts felt they had uh, uh, on him in terms of the scouting report, uh, in a short period of time, he's impressed a lot of people, including his coaches, and most importantly, probably here, his teammates. Yeah, well, if anything, you know, and Olin can speak to this uh, just as well as, as I can. Remember Casey Wigman? Yeah. I mean, he was an undrafted guy from the from the Jets, comes in. The Bears had drafted Olin, and, and Casey could flat-out play. He could flat-out play. Ended up having a 16-year NFL career uh, down there with some pretty good uh, Kansas City Chiefs offensive lines. One, because he had he had good feet. He knew his assignments, and he was quick. And, uh, you know, I think for, for Sam, I think that's what has been most impressive. Everybody talks about how he plays from, from the neck up, but we know he's got to be strong, and he's a, he's addressing all those things of what he's going to have to do as an interior offensive lineman at, at the center position. And, you know, for me, he's assignment-driven. I thought he was pretty solid when he stepped mm-hmm. in and things started to clean up last year for the Chicago Bears when they made that move to uh, putting white hair at, at left guard which we had talked about, and Mustafer seemed to come in and things were better. And I think a lot of it is just assignment-driven. He's calling everything out. Those guys are following his lead up front. And to me, uh, it's good to hear that he's working with Olin because, to me, Olin was one of the uh, the best and one of the smartest centers uh, in, the national, in the National Football League when I played, uh, that's for sure. Uh, he definitely knew what was coming on every single play and was prepared for it. And I think Sam, from the neck up, definitely is prepared for it as well. All right, we're going to step away for another break. Coming up in moments, Larry Borum, Bears rookie tackle, joins us here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. This man feeling good about being a Chicago Bear by way of Detroit, Michigan, and the University of Missouri out of the Big 12, excuse me, SEC, the former Big 8. You know, I'm an Iowa Stater, so I still got Mizzou on the mind, but uh, from my Big 8 days at Iowa State. Larry Borum joining us. 
the big tackle out of uh, Mizzou, joining us. Thank you so much for your time, Larry. I'm going to start you off with a hoop question, though, because someone posed this question to me the other day. Say, hey, what was your passion at the age of 10? And everybody at the table was looking around at each other, and you, you never would have guessed what everybody's passion was at the age of 10, right? Well, you know, you're right. 22 years old, so you got a short distance to, in the memory department. I'm old, and I had to think about it, but you loved basketball, didn't you? Right, yes, sir. So tell me about your love of basketball and what about it that you love. You're a big guy, obviously, so you you never were a small guy. And how has that translated for you on the football field? And are, do you still love basketball? Uh, yeah, to answer the last part, I mean, I still enjoy it. I'm still watching games to this day. <laughs> but growing up, that was my first sport. That was all my dad played growing up and he was a real big hoop star in our city so that was kind of the first thing they introduced me was basketball um the thing i really liked about it i mean it was just it was fun it was different than football because you could you could really just be the main guy scoring and that could be it (laughs) did you have visions that you were going to be an nba player by chance i know you played aau right yeah when i was younger that's always what i thought but then i mean as i got through high school, I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't this isn't for me. I need to shift <laughs> my focus somewhere else. So, Larry, you got up, up as high as a 350 pounder. Do you can you tell the noticeable difference in just the fluidity of your game when you talk about playing at in the 330s rather than playing up in the 350s, especially from the speed of the talent that you've seen at at the NFL level so far? Right, uh, it's been. It's been night and day, honestly. I feel ten times lighter on my feet. I can, I move a lot better. I can get things done that I maybe couldn't have gotten done at that weight. So I mean, I just feel ten times better as a player. Larry Jim Miller here, and I grew up uh, in an area familiar with you. Played against a lot of guys at Brother Rice, and actually, my first quarterback camp was with the great Al Casa there, who was uh, Brother Rice uh, head coach. And so, oh yeah. No, you're from this area, and he does a great job, and Coach Badke does as well. I know he's stepping down here. He does a great job uh, as well. But let me ask you this, because when I talk to Paul Alexander, it's another coach I know, and you have worked with him. You know, what specifically mm-hmm. did you work with Paul Alexander on? Because he was really, when I talked to him about you, he was his eyes really lit up of really the talents that you have and where your career can go. Uh, we really worked on like just a lot of hand plays and stuff, uh, some stuff in pass pro, some run game. Uh, his big thing is really just with the hands. He taught us a lot of different ways of versus the inside move, uh, just a speed guy, just different techniques. Stuff. I mean, I loved everything. I soaked up a lot of information from him. Larry Borum, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score with Jim Miller, top there, Jeff Joniak. Uh, Larry, uh, how would you explain your offseason so far in terms of practices uh, with the team? And, you know, after a while, you forget uh, that you're a first-year player rookie and you just start playing football, don't you? Yep, that's basically where I'm at with it. I mean, I've been enjoying every moment of it, just soaking up as much information as I can and really addressing the field, not as a rookie. I'm not trying to go out there and make any mistakes. I'm trying to go out there and showcase what I can do at the highest level. So I've been just taking advantage of every day, taking it day by day. You know, Larry, as an ex-offensive lineman, I know how long it takes to transfer the information from the classroom to on the field. 
So do you feel that when you break the huddle, you're going to the line of scrimmage with an understanding of your assignment? Or is there still a small percentage of you that's thinking as you approach the line of scrimmage when you're trying to think of the snap count, your assignment, and then if there's any type of defensive adjustment in front of you? No, I have – going from the huddle to the line of scrimmage, I mean, I have a clear head. I understand what I need to do. I feel like coming from Missouri, I went through three different offenses, so it kind of helped me grasp the concepts of plays, and it's really all the same thing <laughs> when you break it down. So it's, it hasn't been an issue for me. Well, when you get uh, you know away from the Bears facility, are you planning on staying in Chicago as you get ready for training camp? Or are you going to head back home? What's, what's the game plan, and what do you feel you need to do to prepare yourself so that you go into your first uh, training camp locked and loaded? Yeah, no, I'm staying out here. I plan on just staying out here, just continue training and continuing to just be around the facility. I don't want to – there's no need for me to leave or go anywhere. Larry Borum, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Uh, you're going to see all the all the entire team with mandatory minicamp coming up here next week. Are you excited about that and seeing uh, some of those guys you probably uh, grew up watching on television play football? play football and what do you think it'll mean to your offensive line just to get some some uh some reps against some of those guys yeah it's gonna it's gonna be surreal at first <laughs> but i mean i'm gonna get over that quickly because we got to compete against each other so i mean i think the biggest thing for us is everyone has the same mindset of competing and we want to go in and be able to win every day as a unit and that's that's the biggest thing i'm excited to, to work with you guys Larry, uh, looking at the the number of games that you started in college and the different positions you moved around, and right now, obviously, when you look at your frame, you know you look at you know, like the perfectly built right tackle. With your experiences inside as offensive guard, is there any, do you have a certain comfort zone in there, or are you that island guy that likes to be on the outside, likes to be playing offensive tackle, and you know is has responsibility for a little bit more space? Right. Um, personally, I like being on that island, but I have no issue with going inside. But I do. I like being on the island. It's something about it, just being able to hold your own. And when you're beating a guy, you're simply beating a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the, when I talked to Paul, he called you a big man with a lot of thud because you're you got good foot quickness and you're powerful with with good bend. What can you tell to say to the Bears fans? Is there a, a tackle you like to play with because you're such a mauler? I mean, where does that come from? Do you try to emulate anybody else's game, or has that always been your game? Um, I really try to just find my own game and mold myself into what I needed to be, and that was kind of just my demeanor on the field. Uh, my old line coaches in college, they always preached on finish, and that was the biggest thing I wanted to take after my game is being able to finish people. Larry Borum, our guest, a couple of more minutes with the young tackle of the Chicago Bears as they gear up towards training camp here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, and Jeff Joniak here. Uh, Larry, where do you lean right now in terms of seeking uh, little bits of information that will serve to help you? Because you got a young offensive line. Some of these guys are only second-year players. You're a first-year player. You got the veteran, obviously, in Cody Whitehair. You got a guy coming off injury in James Daniels. You got Sam Mustafer, who worked his way into the NFL as an undrafted guy, and Alex Bars did the same. And you got a, a big mix here uh, of guys, and some veteran, but a lot of young players. So, 
is is it a lot of shared information or is there someone in particular you're leaning towards to, to secure that information? Uh, it's a lot of shared information. I just try to gather it from anyone. I mean, it's regardless of what position you play, if it's inside or outside, I feel like this, you've been here before me, so any any tips, tricks, anything is, is really good, helpful information. Uh, I was a fourth-round draft choice, and I've been bitter since then. Have you ever – did you ever think before the draft that maybe that your skill and your talent was going to bring you higher in the draft? And then, uh, it, you know, I think the best-case scenario scenario really presented itself. But what did you feel going into the draft, or what were you told by other scouting departments? Um, well, I was, I was told I wouldn't get out of day two. And when that didn't happen, I mean, it just – Made that chip on my shoulder even bigger. My my biggest thing is I'm not I'm not dwelling on where I went. Everything is a blessing. So it's not about how you get there. It's really just what you do with it. Well, final one for me is just uh, as you mentioned, you're, if you're going to hang around after after the minicamp, are you already settled? You got a place to to stay, and how is uh, getting to know the the city of Chicago going for you? Man, the city is beautiful. <laughs> I love it out here. It, being from Michigan, it kind of reminds me of home, and I just I love it. Uh, I'm still in the process of trying to find a place, but I'll be done with that here shortly. All right, a couple housekeeping notes before we let you go. Appreciate your time, uh, Larry, and looking forward to meeting you up at Hallis Hall here in the near future. All right, uh, who'd you grow up loving on the football field? Any particular player and team? That's number one. We'll start with that. Um, who did I grow up loving on the football field? Um, I like Ronnie Stanley a lot. I like his game, I like the way he plays. Uh, kind of, I feel like if I had to pick a person that I emulated my game after, as far as after making it my own type of mold, probably after him. Okay, Ronnie Stanley. So you'll be uh, getting that Notre Dame vibe from uh, from a great player like that. And then lastly, who's winning the NBA championship? Man, I like the Suns right now. Who's that? The Suns. Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh, the I like Suns. The Suns okay. Right now. Yeah. You, like, you like the way they're playing, eh? They're playing. They're playing their hearts out. You grew up Piston? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely did. That's a nervous laugh. Hey, you don't want, feel you... ashamed about that, Larry. <laughs> I, hey, man, I grew up in the bad boys era. They were good to go, brother. Yeah, uh, I know it. <laughs> yeah, they were. Until MJ and the, and the guys finally took care of business. All right, Larry. Good to have you in town. Good to see you, and uh, looking forward to talking to you down the road. Appreciate your time tonight. All righty. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Larry Borum out of Mizzou, fifth-round pick of the Bears, and uh, a good-looking player right here. We're going to be excited about seeing him develop over the course of the uh, next weeks, months, and years. Coming back with Jim Miller and Tom Thayer after this break. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People to get it. Jeff and Tom and Jim Miller, Sirius XM, NFL Radio's moving the chains. Enjoyed that conversation. Larry Borum sounds like a, a veteran out there, man. He's got some deep pipes. Well, He's you know, it's, it's interesting. From, from the first time you get to talk to these guys, the first time you're introduced to them, and then maybe a year, a year, two years down the line, how much the conversation changes. And um, it's going to be interesting to see – what he develops into because, like I said, it, you know, we have this thing we call it the eye test. It's just by your your first observances you get a chance to see the guy. And when we got to see him at rookie minicamp a couple weeks ago, he passed everything with flying colors. 
Hey, uh, Jim, he, he mentioned his father is a, a basketball star in Detroit. Did, are you familiar with uh, his father's uh, basketball playing exploits in Detroit? No, no, yeah. no, no I'm not. I haven't run across, but I know he was in the AAU circuit. So Larry yeah. was, yeah, that, I mean, he's big time when it came to, and like you said, Brother Rice up here is, a, is just a really well-known football school. The guy that I mentioned uh, that he didn't play, uh, Larry didn't play for, uh, Alfred Casa, but he is in the Hall of Fame up here. He's won just a ton of games, and Brad Key has taken over. That's who uh, uh, Larry played under, but it's a terrific football program and sports program overall. So a lot of those guys that get, that play at that school normally end up at some you know some college somewhere playing, and a lot of times it's, it's a big one. You know, it's a you know top five school uh, that is out there in terms of the of the tiers of the schools are their power five is what I meant to say, but he's a terrific athlete growing up. And like I said, this is a big man who can move. And if you, if you think he passes the eyeball test, what do you see when the pads are on? That guy's not intimidated by anybody. Yeah. Looking forward anybody. to see, very much looking forward to seeing how some of these offensive linemen uh, look with the pads on one-on-ones, the whole bit. Um, Tevin Jenkins, obviously trying to get acclimated at left tackle. You got the two young guys from last year. You know, I hope that, that these are developed guys that can, uh, can kind of push the competition level and make this team, you know, talking about Alexander Hambright and uh, also Lachavia Simmons, so um, among others. So there's a lot of a lot of growth potential there. And you talk about the growth of the offense in the final six games of last season with the running game being the foremost part of it, David Montgomery, settling of the offensive line for that portion of the season. But also you got to throw in, guys, tight end Cole Komet. Yeah, no, it feels good, you know, to be able to end the season kind of like that in terms of getting a lot more snaps and being, uh, you know, more productive uh, towards the end of the season was obviously is obviously a really good thing coming into this off season and and going into these OTAs and, and you know now this mini camp coming up. So yeah, no, it's it's big for me and you know as as we've kind of gotten together here, you know, being with Andy and and kind of getting you know the timing down and things like that, and it's been really beneficial for me. So. Um, you know, I'm looking to build upon what I did at the end of last season and just kind of continue to grow from there. You know, not having him last year and having him this year is just being able to get timing and, you know, kind of cohesion with Andy and, and the quarterbacks. You know, things just even as simple as cadence and, you know, how they how they uh, articulate in the huddle and, and kind of what they're seeing. And, you know, obviously the timing of the throws and, and the routes are huge. But, uh, you know, those are all things that I think have been really beneficial and I've already seen from day one till now. Um, as, as being, as being, you know, as a gradual uh, increase and, and has been really good for me and, you know, I'm, I'm sure for the other receivers as well. You know, I think Cole has to understand he's got to develop and continue to grow that relationship with Jermaine Effetti and whomever's going to be at left tackle because I think just as important as any ball that he catches in the red zone or downfield, his ability to block on the edge or create that, opera, uh, that RPO run lane opportunity um, I, I think that that has to play an important part of his development because when you talked about the growth of the offense in the latter stages of the season and how important the running game was, not only because of the Sam Mustafer at the center position, but because of the way you block the edge. And so I think Cole has all the tools, all the talent in the world at the tight end position to become that pass-catching threat, but he also has to be a stabilizing force on the edge. I, I like the Bears' 12 personnel with Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. I expect Cole to take a, a big jump, and he mentioned getting to know Andy. I think he's going to find, and, and the receivers are going to find, the ball's going to be out quicker. 
because Andy can anticipate throws, and that's nothing against Mitch is, is what I'm saying. Mitch is still a, an ascending player in growing, but at some sometimes he didn't anticipate those throws like coming out of a break against a certain coverage that that ball is going to be on them pretty quickly because Andy is a very uh, anticipatory thrower uh, and gets the ball out on time. So it, it will be there in a hurry as soon as you're coming out of your break. So get that head around and be ready. And those are the things that they're they're really working on right now. And and uh, I think ultimately it, it'll come and be it to a good place. But I think Cole knows it, it's a this is a big jump year because he's more the inline blocker who's a strong guy, tough guy that definitely can do those things uh, for the Chicago Bears and take that big jump. Same can be said for Darnell Mooney. The things that stood out to me uh, was his durability up until that, that last game there where he got hurt. He got hurt with extra effort in that previous game. And so you love that about him. He's really tough. Um, he, he from, from the start, uh, from when he got into training camp and then, and then for us to get through training camp into the season, we weren't sure going into that Detroit game how he was going to be able to hold up physically and mentally. And so I'd say the very first thing is, is he aced that test. And he, we just kept giving him more and more and more. Now it's our job, Brad, to make sure that as we go into this season, we make sure that he gets a lot of opportunities. He's a threat in this offense. And uh, what he's doing out here right now in, in OTAs, um, he's literally gotten even better. So he, but he, had, he has that inner drive. He's, it's that DNA thing that, that not everybody has. Well, he has it, and we're lucky. Probably taking the, the route running and understanding the whole concept of the play. So last year, he, he really knew um, his, his route. Now I want him to know the whole concept within the play. And, and I always remember um, Coach Cully when he was in Philadelphia talking about uh, Terrell Owens and, and T.O. always knowing, like, he always knew the whole play. He knew when he was getting the ball um, pre-snap, and he knew when he wasn't getting the ball. And so I think taking it to that level now for Darnell is going to be really important. And I'm seeing him adjust his route to certain coverages. Uh, he did that last year. But now it's going to be, hey, pre-snap, I know I'm getting this football. And that's really what we want all of our wideouts and tight ends to get to. You know, I don't think size is going to be the determining factor for a guy like Darnell Mooney. He is such a clever route runner, and again, he always talked about wanting to understand every route, the, the entirety of the route tree. I think he's got a lot of line of scrimmage versatility, whether it's some of the jet sweeps that he has the ability to run, but I'm excited for the further development and the growth of Darnell Mooney because he's a type of guy that's going to create coverage concern this year where they may have to adjust a little, a couple more things speed-wise his direction, which will open up opportunities for A-Rob and for Cole and whomever else is on the field. Jim, what's the best way he becomes even more dangerous? Well, I think, again, understanding the whole entire concept of, of a play and understanding the coverage of when you are are not going to get the ball. Some of you are just going to be the, the decoy where he's going to clear out, where the coverage is going to dictate that. Uh, and as for bulking up, I mean, there are receivers that, that have played you know, at that weight, say Marvin Harrison, he wasn't the the, the biggest guy. You got to learn how to protect yourself and and things like that. But he'll naturally bulk up and I think be able to take the the punishment in the NFL. His biggest advantage is speed. He can run away from guys, and there's no there there's no foul in running out of bounds. Marvin Harrison uh, did, did that many times as well, and just learn to be smart of when you're gonna you know, really give your body up to, to make the big play. But I think he's a he's a grinder, and he he doesn't play like a small man. That's for sure. Um, I think – oh, sorry, Jim. No, I, I think we're all interested to see how the opt-out guys 
perform this year, even even as early as training camp. Damian Williams happens to be one of those guys. He explained why he opted out last year in Kansas City, what he went through, and where he's at. The things that stood out to me. Uh, Sorry about that. Just played that. Oh, man. That whole year was, it, it was, oh, man. <laughs> at, at first, you know, like I said, you know, I did it for my mom. You know, everything, you know, everybody understood why I did it. But, you know, once you got into the season and, and, and watching how, you know, it actually, you know, me personally, I, I'm sitting at home like I hope the season don't go all the way through, especially with the COVID thing. Then I won't feel like I missed too much. But now, you know, just being able, being at home and, and watching it, it really made me feel like, you know, this is something, you know, I want to do as long as possible until the wheels fall off. So I know I wasn't ready to sit down at home. No, it's hard for him to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm only using this comparison, you know, the news of the White Sox, Nick Madrigal suffering an injury. It's going to be out a while, uh, who knows how long. But, you know, the, the Sox are very interested because they played 60 to 162. They've already hit the 60 and so many soft tissue injuries. Do you suspect any of that will leak into the 2021 NFL season based on similar factors, especially guys that opted out? Baseball, they're claiming fatigue from last year's 60-game season and the in the quick carryover into a 160-plus game season. You know, I don't know. I I I would have to see what did they what what was their training regimen? Were they kind of actually trying to simulate some type of football exhaustion where it's 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 carry you know has carryover into the season? We're going to see it from some of these players and. Um, I, I, you know, I'm kind of confused about all the baseball injuries because, um, you know, I, I, I just don't know what their training routine is. In terms of football, you know, you have a routine that becomes kind of habit-forming that you know you can kind of read your body to know if you're ready or not to undergo what, what's going to be asked of you. Um, I'll just go off of what I saw down at the Senior Bowl. The players that opted out, at least then these are the younger players in the league they were able to respond pretty quickly you know it took them maybe a couple of days to get their their legs underneath them but they were pretty resilient and responded i would think for the older players if you're not on that regimen that that you need to to be on um again father time uh, you know he never stops and you know if and i look at this Marquise Lee just signed out with the San Francisco 49ers. He was only there a week, and they mm-hmm. elected to uh, to release him and brought in uh, a player who had played uh, last year. So I'm not saying him being out of shape was the issue of it, but I think that can creep in if you're not on the daily uh, rigorous training that you need to do to be prepared to play. But I think the younger players will respond a lot faster than, say, the older players that have been in the league eight, nine, ten years uh, potentially and respond a lot better. Well, you know, that's the one thing about it is if they wanted to condense the offseason and start discluding OTAs just like it was in the olden days, you know, there was no evaluation, I, you know, I evaluation of you. It was trust that you were going to get be ready when the training camp started. And then when you started, I mean, it was nutcracker first day. It was full go. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't any break-in period. All right, real quick, guys. Uh, college football playoff reportedly going to present in Chicago Next week, a 12-team model, so up from four with the six highest-ranked conference champs and six at-large spots. 30 seconds. We start with Miller. Is it better? Um, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? <laughs> you don't love the more the merrier? Tommy, how about it? No, I'm not for it in the Why? least. 
Give me 10 seconds. I think, well, then let's go to 14 teams. Oh, what are they going to do? Every year there's going to be a couple other teams that are going to be disgruntled because they didn't get in the 12, and now let's go to 14. It's a bunch of baloney. You don't need 12 teams. Jim, Tom has been heard. Jim, we got to run. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you to Tom Thayer. Thank you to our guest, Larry Borman, our producer tonight, Adam Pazinski. Thanks, Jordan Treadup and Dan Brule. Mark Grody is next on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, this has been Bears All Access. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.